This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Islands in the stream, that is what we are. No one in between. How can we be wrong? Sail away with me to another world, and we rely on each other. Aha. From one lover to another. Aha. Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast, everyone. There's uh, some food for thought there from Dolly Parton and uh, the. Kenny Rogers. Yeah, the late Kenny Rogers. Um, oh, shit, he did die, didn't he? He did, yeah. At the start, one of the greatest afternoons of my life, Kenny Rogers provided um, at Glastonbury. I was hungover in an absolute state, um, and then me and the boys just um, sort of crawled towards the pyramid stage, and he was there doing the Sunday Legend slot. I got a Flake ninety nine and sat there and watched him do the Gambler, and I think he did the Gambler twice and Islands in the Stream twice. Oh, dream! It was brilliant. That's it. That's it. That that I'm Jack. That's Raj. We don't need any introductions anymore I don't think um, we might do because we haven't done a pod for quite a while as you can tell from mm. this rusty intro but you know is what it rusty is rusty intro sounds like something you should urban dictionary <laughs> it does a bit doesn't it <laughs> it was special it's better than a rusty outro probably but um, uh, you definitely were... better than a rusty trombone Ooh, yeah well depends depends which, you know <laughs> what you're into that's not kink shame you know very true um Right, Raj. So you're you're basically you're leaving me behind because you're big and important <laughs> and special now, right? No, not at all. Uh, not even in the slightest. Sort of. Well, we just need to get it. We need to get it out of the way. You're 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 part of the. You've gone behind the curtain, the football machine. The iron curtain, yeah. So I've I've done like my career's done a one eighty now. So from having been a freelance football writer and written about football and done books about football and and been on that side of the fence, I'm now gonna on the other side of the fence and be part of the um, the media department at Huddersfield as head of content so um, it's a very exciting opportunity I'm really looking forward to, to doing it I didn't think I'd I'd work in football in that sort of a way uh, again uh, but it was an opportunity once um, put in front of me I couldn't really turn down but what it's going to mean in terms of this podcast because this isn't an advertisement about my professional career is uh, I'm just going to be very busy uh, during the season um, at football games and the championship is famously a busy league so um, finding time to drop these with you isn't going to be as easy as it as it once was uh, we found a nice little groove for ourselves during lockdown and did it more regularly when we both enjoyed it and I I, uh, I profusely apologised to you about the fact that this would have a knock-on effect as to my availability and did offer you the uh, opportunity to replace me or, or have other people step in, in in my place if you wanted and you've uh, you refused we'll see how long that lasts um but um 
Yeah, we'll we'll still do them when as and when we can. A, pre- uh, but, a premium podcast. Yeah, but uh, when when as and when um, actually is, then I'm not entirely sure because uh, you know I've not even got my feet under the desk yet. So once I have, um, I'll be aware of what my uh, what my free time looks like a bit more. I see. Um, give, give it give it a couple of months, and then you can start taking the piss again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, recording uh, podcast midday and stuff. You know. Yeah, just take the press conference room over and do them in there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, we'll we'll see what we'll see what we can do and everything. Uh, but I'm sure you, you don't need me, Jack. You can do this on your own if you need to. What like uh, Bill Burstar or just stream of consciousness? On my yeah, own. I'll just invite one of your other friends on. Um, have Flav on. Have sex in our bed again with Flav. Like did last time <laughs> with the ex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get him on. Yeah. Or maybe Spooky. We could Spooky's in nice middle ground. He's our sort of, uh, you know, the goat. Get the goat yeah. on. You don't need me on if you get him on. Well, he's got his own thing going on. Anyway, with enough of all this. Enough of this. Congrats, mate. Very happy. Oh, thank for you very much. I'm very happy for you. Um, should we talk about Tottenham then? I guess it's, yeah, it's we have to. It's been an interesting summer. Probably we've had England. That's gone. Um, yeah, it feels about ten years ago now, doesn't it? It really does, and it. You know, as much as I was a bit gutted about the final. Number one, I don't give a shit anymore now. No, nah, it doesn't come. Not. In any way, shape, or form, does it compare to that Champions League final? Um, we I think we texted each other exactly the same thing that night. I because I was I felt awful that evening when we lost. It was really horrible. I had this weird thing where I genuinely thought I had an aneurysm as well because I screamed so loudly in such a visceral, guttural way when Pickford saved that Jorginho penalty. Um, something actually clicked in like where my temple is, like <laughs> to the point where I had to turn around in the room I was in and ask if somebody had thrown something at my head. Um, and they hadn't, and it really freaked me out to the point where I was like, I was, I was saying to the missus, um, shall I go get like an MRI or something? She's like, just, you know, simmer down. If it happens again, then we'll worry about it. But for now, you've probably just screamed a bit loud and felt something. Fucking somewhere. horrible. Yeah, but I, I, did you, didn't I text you about it? I felt yeah, really yeah, weird yeah. about it. Like, I, it freaked me the fuck out. Um, but yeah, after a couple of days after that, and you know the Spurs new cycle kicks back in, I'd pretty much forgotten about the Euros again. I think we'd we got distracted by all the awful people, you know, abusing footballers rather than the actual defeat. Um, and then we're back at it. It's not like that. I'm still not fully over that Champions League final. I feel oh, no, like no. I've actually got to a point now where I can talk about it without having this sinking feeling in my stomach but for a long while it just it was it was one of the worst things that had ever happened in my life and like I've had I don't want to like lessen like having lost people and all that sort of a thing but and I'm not in any way comparing it but it, it sort of it was as as sad in some ways and, and had a sort of mournful cycle in my life as as those sort of events do and um it was really fucking weird and, and well, still it's, it's just mournful in that way that we've spoken about before and that that tangibly could be the one and only time we ever see them there in our lifetimes and we didn't even yeah. really get to enjoy the game you know oh, not even not even the, that's the worst part like i said we're given a i don't want to go why are we doing this again but yeah like, we've we actually done it had so a many times we? full yeah. swing at that final and lost and fair enough but the fact that it was over before it began was was the worst part and then it, it just it literally has been all downhill from there yeah i mean so we've the past couple of years of pandemic, it's all felt like a bit of a blur, hasn't it? The Mourinho era, as much as some people talk about it as being like the most rancid, toxic, whatever thing. I, I don't even think it was that. I just thought it was profoundly meh. You know, it was just 
There was that's that's what was so disappointing about it. It was so predictable. Yeah, there was just nothing to it. We weren't great. We weren't terrible, in my opinion. We were just bang average, completely bang average, and it was just. That. There was some there, when it was good. It was it was fairly yeah. good, and when it was bad, it, it it did get really bad at some points. I mean, that when we lost to a team whose manager was at, in actual prison, <laughs> having had a two 0 lead, that was at the point where I was like, okay, I think I've seen all I need to see of this now. Mourinho just seems like a spent old fraud now as well, doesn't he? Really, which is see how he does in. Uh, he's still going to beat us in that conference final with Roma. Well, if we even fucking get there. Let's start yeah. there. What did you make? What do you make of Nuno so far? What did you make of that performance? What do you make of Nuno? Because a lot of people have sort of criticised him for playing a shadow side, uh, but I think he's kind of you know damned if he does, damned if he doesn't in that scenario. Yeah, um, I think they're two separate questions. I don't think we can judge the bloke or have any impact on how we feel about him based on that one game. So I'll talk about how I feel about him first, and then I'll talk about that game. Him as a bloke, I've actually really warmed to. And I find him as a as a figure and as somebody who represents the club, I really like him. I think he's um, he's very easy to support and want to do well. Um, I think he carries himself very well and uh, he's coming across really well. I think he's he's quite genuine in in his sort of um, in his newfound affection for the club. I think he not in a competition you win away, but in a in an almost a, a quite a nice way. He's, he's um, He's clearly aware of the size of the job and the size of the club, and, and doesn't downplay that at all. He's not making himself seem as if he's he's bigger than the club, but he's had a few sound bites that, you know, whether or not he's saying them because he knows they they'll they'll curry favour, or whether he's saying them because he actually feels them, which I, I, I'm leaning towards it actually being the case, is uh, actually makes you you sort of want to bat him bat in his corner a little bit more. I mean that that one thing he said the other week about it's his job to prepare players to play for Tottenham rather than convince them to play for Tottenham, I thought was, you know, as perfectly put as he as he could do uh, in a really nice, concise way. And um, if he has that sort of mentality across the, the squad, then I don't think we're ever going to come to a point where we dislike him as a person. I can almost see this being like a a kind of a, a Martin Yole type well, of he's, he's uh, trajectory. Well, he's kind of like Pochettino, the way they speak about him, mate. Like, they adore the bloke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he brought him up. He's changed a lot. That It's going to take him a, a long time to get over him. And he, he clearly, like I say, he carries himself really well. And that side of his, his game I'm, and, and personality, I'm, I'm a huge fan of. And, you know, the fact that he's the first um, manager of colour uh, Full time. I know clipboard Chris did it a few times as a caretaker, but the fact that he's proper manager and stuff in the club's history is obviously a huge thing for us and and something we should be proud of as well. Um, it's obviously a long time overdue, but but now it's here. We should it's something I, I'm, I'm, I I certainly place a lot of um, meaning in and and honestly, with my biases, might be some of the reason why I want him to do as well as I do. But. Um, yeah, as, as a as a bloke, I have no problems with him whatsoever. I think he's been he's he's come into the club at quite a turbulent time, quite a difficult time, and he's as yet as a as a sort of a figurehead not put a foot wrong. Um, and obviously, I, you know, beating City in that first game was was brilliant. That Pacos de Ferreira thing, um, like you say, it was a bit of a catch twenty two. I, I kind of. I didn't mind the team he put out. I could see what he was trying to do. The away goals were all gone now, so it's not a huge, huge thing. And he made the bet that we'll we'll do what we can there and then we'll paddle up when we get him at home rather than sending our full team out to Portugal in the middle of 
um, in the middle of the week. So I kind of I see what he's done as as long as it is a a young boys type of situation where we um, where we where we win the second leg and win it convincingly, then. It, that first game's kind of forgotten about, and it's extra minutes and experience in the legs of some young lads. So, uh, I, I, to, to to go back to what you were saying about Nuno, like I, I think that's something I've very much picked up on because I was I was kind of lukewarm on him as a as an acquisition. I didn't find it like that inspiring, if you like. But at the same Not time, no. But at the same time, I wasn't I wasn't put out by it. It, it made sense. Um, and if we'd have kind of gotten him early on in the window before the essentially before the merry-go-round had happened and we'd gone through that kind of embarrassing news cycle i would have probably been actually quite happy if i think about it um, yeah this is the issue it's the optics of it that they they entirely balls up with the the managerial search because um like you say he was available and we knew he was available before the season had even ended so and and we had sacked Mourinho before the season had even ended so if it was one of those situations where we said, oh, uh, on June the 1st or whenever it is, his contract at Wolves ends, Nuno's going to come and be Tottenham manager. And it seemed as if there was joined up thinking behind the decision and that was our intention all the way through. Then absolutely fantastic. But the fact that the bloke was sat there the entire time, had turned down Crystal Palace, had spoken to whoever else and then turned around and ended up being our manager again, that's what made it that's what made it a harder pill to swallow because it's kind of like, oh, is this like our eighth choice that we've just had to go back to because... Yeah, I mean, the thing that is quite strange about it is that apparently we'd done quite a lot of groundwork with him before when it when either when we'd sacked Pochettino or it was looking like Pochettino was on his way out. I think Nuno was apparently one of our like first choices at that point. Um, so there'd already been a lot of prior contact between us and, and him and everything like that. So it, it does seem strange, like you say, that there wasn't more joined up thinking. Um, and I guess maybe the curveball was that Conte was available and this, I still, I'm not, you know, even after everything that's happened, I'm still not going to pretend like I kind of feel that Antonio Conte was the best choice at Tottenham. I didn't think it at the time and I still don't. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have been angry with that appointment by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sure he would have done a good job for us, but you know, I I wasn't quite as critical of the club as a lot of people were about the failure to make that one happen because to no. me it seemed as though he he had pretty much come to them and said I want 150 200 mil to spend and the club said, "Well, no, we're not Manchester City or Chelsea, so you mm-hmm. can't have that." And then obviously everyone kicked off of making out like, you know, it was Levy being typical Levy, as the uh, expression seems to be, but yeah, mm. we've we've criticised Levy in the past. You can do, but I think that the I mean, to be he's certain... given us plenty of reason yeah. to over the past few months with the Super League, and then You've got to be realistic, though, right? Yeah. Like... Oh yeah, of course. I think we did the the Conte thing before, but it, it just it didn't seem like a right fit to me. Yeah. Um, and like a, it, it was a very similar bet to the Mourinho one. So it's just what we're doing. We we picking his chips back up and we're putting them on red instead of black. It just. Yeah. It, it was a it was a very weird one. We 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 needed a, a completely different change in directing and direction and mentality, and you know that seemed to be the case when we were looking at people like um, Ten Hag and those glorious forty eight hours where it looked like Pochettino was going to come back. And obviously, he's probably buzzing. He hasn't now the the squad he's ended up with, um, but in the same way, like it's just sort of yeah that that entire summer uh, up until yeah. 
paratissue coming in and all that sort of stuff was just really bizarre and, and really badly handled in terms of like a, a PR front. It's uh, like you were saying on Nuno though, I, I don't, what I do really like about him that I've seen so far is like you say, it's, he hasn't got that competition winner vibe about him. I think he does treat the job, like you say, with respect, with reverence, but I also, to me anyway, he comes across as a guy who very much knows his own mind and also he, he's he's not a bullshitter, which is, is refreshing after having had Jose Mourinho for the past couple of years. It, you know, I think he's been very to the point with the Harry Kane stuff. He hasn't he hasn't given any room for any speculation from the press. He's put it very much like it is without saying, obviously, you know, his head's been turned or something. He's just basically saying, look, he's not fit. I'm not going to play him. But he's one of the best players in the world. We're lucky to have him. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, I, I just think it's a very good way of, of handling what's been a pretty shitty situation, which I mean, we'll, we'll go on to the Kane stuff in a bit. I mean, we've sort of done that a lot in the past, but I guess it's probably still worth talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, it's moved on a lot since we've last spoken to, about it. Yeah. Um, I just think that, you know, because I've, I've seen a, a, a few grumblings already after the Wolves game that, you know, it wasn't the most progressive style of play or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, City at home and Wolves away, two opening games to the start of the season. I was fully expecting us to come away with one point from these two fixtures. Mm-hmm. Sat, sat here on six, not conceded a single goal. You know, yep. if I, I just think we, we maybe as a it's not here to police how how anyone else reacts or feels about things, but I do think after the past couple of years just in general, in life, in football, Jose Mourinho, everything. Just try and cling to the positives for a bit, you know? Like, I mean, yeah. it's going to take a while. Like we, like we sort of said, you know, it, there's a lot of... <laughs> there's a there's a squad overhaul going on at the moment. There is there is definitely an yeah. air to this of when Poch first came in and we oh, were yeah, losing the, you know, Caboos, Capoos, Adebayor, so on and so forth. And we're sort of, you know, half-blooding in youngsters half bringing mm-hmm. in kind of smart acquisitions again. Um, so it's going to take a bit of time. And, uh, you know, I think the fact that we don't have a fully formed identity and we're taking it to Wolves, which are notoriously a tough place to go, if you like. Um, you know, I don't think it's to be sniffed at if we haven't seen that kind of progressive. But I don't, nor do I think we sort of sat up and soaked up pressure either. I still think we took it to them. Um, and we played well, and you know, like we say, you can't, you can't, you can't sniff at six points from those two opening fixtures. Um, with regard to the Europa Conference, how are you feeling on that, mate? Because I've seen some people say, you know what, it might be a blessing in disguise for us to just kind of get knocked out of this now and not. Have oh to no, bullshit to that. We're, right? uh, we're not, we're not above this uh, competition. I don't know. Think. I don't know who people think they are. In the same way, we're not above the Europa League. We're not above this either. It'd be a nice thing to win. We're in the middle of a situation now with us, us best player wanting to leave because we don't win things. And obviously, he's a contributing factor to us not winning or winning things. Uh, and he has been over the, the past few years. But this is a, a huge opportunity to win something. There's A European trophy as well. Yeah, I mean, it might be a new one. It might not hold the same weight as a Champions League, literally and metaphorically. But, uh, you know, when we come to win, if we come to win it, is anyone going to feel any less about it? Or is it going to be something we just go, oh, forget about that? It's, it's a monkey off his back. It's something we've yeah. won. It's a European competition. It's... 
It's more, it's it's more bigger than winning a League Cup for me. Oh, 100%, yeah. So, yeah, that, that just... We don't have to play as first team in it every week. We should hopefully be able to rotate and manage a squad through until the, the deeper stages when, you know, more clubs we've we've genuinely heard of and aware of are <laughs> beginning to become our opposition. But it's a, a huge opportunity for a club the size of ours to win something. If you look at clubs like Sevilla and what have you that have got, what, four, five, six Europa Leagues or whatever in the past few years, do you think their fans are going, oh... It's, it's not a Champions League though no they're just going up we've got so many amazing European memories here and this is another another way for us to sort of ape that and it's yeah we we should we should be going to win this competition there's no there's no excuse not to do it it's a it's a real free swing and um, to be honest I'd be I'd be quite disappointed in them if they either threw the competition or conspired to, to not go very very deep in it I mean, the narrative is almost definitely, though, Mourinho's Roma in the final, isn't it? Oh, 100%. 100%. That's, that's horrible, isn't it? You know? Um, oh, yeah, because I, I don't think there's a chance in our world going to win that game if it's against <laughs> Mourinho's Roma. It's just the footballing gods by that point have already made their decision how uh, how that's ended. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I agree entirely with you there, mate. There's nothing really I can add to that because it's completely how I feel. I love I love European football, any kind of any kind of level that we have it. Um, and I just think the club is so much better for, for having it, you know. there, are, I believe there's an old famous saying about this club in Europe and it being nothing without it. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you know your history and all that. Um, in terms of who we are going to be playing on the Thursday, you sort of touched on it there. Do you, Would you like to see a stronger side, do you think? Do you think we probably need to just to get the job done? What, in the second leg? Yeah. Um, marginally, I don't think it needs like all the big players playing. But if you know if Kane's going to start a game, make him start this game. Um, that sort of a thing. So it's it, yeah, I, and then give the new lads another run out in this as well. So I don't think it's going to need a, a, a be the, the the same Premier League side that's played the past two games, but just a couple more heads in there, and we should be fine. I liked Brian Gill. I like the look of him. Um, yes, he, he he looks like he's. Like from the sixties, though. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look like a footballer, um, and there is a part of me now that is thinking, should we really have swapped Eric Lamella for him now that he's taking the absolute Michael out of La Liga? Um, but that's just the fact that I loved Eric Lamella and and, and wished he would stay at Tottenham forever. But um, yeah, this kid, he looks he looks good. He seems exciting. Uh, hopefully, it's. Um, it's one of those young gambles that actually pays off for us rather than somebody that's going to end up going back to La Liga for like five million in there's, three years or something like that. Distinct kind of Modric vibe about it in terms of like, oh, shit. Because he looks like it. Well, kind of. And just also just the way in which we did it, it was like, oh, Spurs have just gotten that done suddenly out of the blue. This really yeah, yeah, yeah. promising, highly sort of talked about youngster that's kind of creative. People aren't really sure what to make of him but you know there's big promise there and you know I, d- I like it when Spurs kick into this mode you know mm-hmm. we've had years of the protracted kind of are we going to sign him aren't we um, but it looks we like we did that with Romero didn't we yeah looks like we're just getting a few of these deals done um, yeah well that's what Paratish is there for and I mean uh, we touched on how badly the managerial search came across and I think a lot of people at that point were just kind of going oh is this guy a bit of a lame duck? Is he a bit of a donkey? What have we kind of 
signed here if he's you know speaking to every manager in Europe and having half of them turn well more than half of them turn him down like is what are we what are we you know signed up for here but um the way he's gone about his business in the transfer market seems to be a lot more heartening and you know it's a silly thing and it is clearly just um it's clearly just optics again and and being sort of uh, fickle but the the videos of him going absolutely mental on the touchlines at every game is um kind of makes you like the bloke and warm to him a bit more so you know if he's that invested in what we're doing then hopefully he's um he's got the the club's best wishes and everything at heart and we can only hope that um that's a in a few years we we come to go okay that was one of those moments where where Levy got it right and put the power in the right bloke's hands and we've we reaped the rewards for it yeah i because i've again i've seen some people say like oh he's just doing it for the cameras but for me it's promising that he gives enough of a fuck to even be doing that to be conscious of the fact that he needs to make a good impression um, he could be sat in a box surely precisely precisely doing nothing playing on his phone like you see most executives but the fact that he's he's wanting to you know, actually be part of the game and stuff like that is um, is heartening. And you know, if it is a bit of positive PR for him, then it's worked on me. I'm not not too shy to admit to that at my age. I don't need to. I'm cynical enough in my day to day life without looking for extra reasons to be. I'm, I've kind of got to a point in my life now where if I want to kind of just feign some ignorance and take something at face value because it seems nice, I'd rather that than you know, contort myself to to make something a negative where it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um, and I think, because like we were sort of saying about him getting his, his deals and stuff done, I think we're on the verge of getting that uh, Pape... Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, you you said this to me before we started recording. I'd only seen it as like an anecdote. Is this is there any actual <laughs> no, if it's bullshit. weight to this? No, it's bullshit. Do you think it's something we put the feelers out for if were Kane to have gone kind of thing I don't think we're going to touch those wages to be honest because he's on he's on astronomical money it's and like it's not close even... to a mill a month sort of d- yeah. job in well, it you know it might be one of those we've talked about before where Knight get involved behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff sell a few shirts um, all that business but we'll we'll see I don't know um, mm, pa- Papo Matasaro who is, is what I was going to say who's you know again a name I can't say <laughs> I've ever seen him play but it's a, definitely a name I've heard and Looks like we're getting that one done as well. So, you know, lad seems to be highly rated. Um, there is just that. I just, it's nice, isn't it, now that we are getting into that refresh stage. You know, we've sort of seen it around, like you touched on earlier with Yol, when we kind of brought in, you know, the sort of Huddlestones, Lennons, people like that around that time and started. It's the next cycle. Him. That's it, you know, and it's it's kind of, it's, we, there's a lot of affection here for a lot of those lads like Jan, Toby, but. It was it was right, wasn't it? Lamella as well. You know, it's the right time for them to go, and we want to see Spurs building onwards and upwards. I tell you what, what one um one thing that's come out the past couple of days, I'm a <laughs> I'm a little bit kind of um wary of, but I'm not even wary because I don't dislike the lad. Um, but Adama Traore has been sort of heavily linked to us for forty million. I mean, I I sort of pound on Aaron Lennon. Yeah, I mean. I, my sort of feeling on it is that, like, I'm sure Lucas would look fucking frightening playing for like a lesser team. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But he's but he started the season really well. Yes, just... I, I really like Lucas, and I, I was he was again another one of my like get him out the door type players. Um, mm. 
But I think he's to me. I, I don't groan when I see him on the starting lineup anymore. No, right? it's because it's we've just changed, the, shifted the focus to the way we're playing a little bit, and it's it's played into his hands a bit more. But the trial one's strange because we just don't seem to need him, and we we have a squad with a lot of needs and it would be very strange if, if finances are as strained as they're, they're claiming to be for us to be signing players. We don't necessarily have a need for when there are other areas that money could be better spent. Um, just seems a, a touch negligible. I'd rather that 40 million goes towards a, a fullback or two. Um, I mean, even if we were like hitting up wolves, Sort of robbing them of some of their assets. Surely I'd be going for Neves over like Traoré. You'd imagine you'd get him for a similar amount of money as well. I'm not a clue, but yeah, it, it that seems to be one that's coming directly from Nuno rather than um, Paratici. So you never know. Maybe this is. I've won my first couple of games. I've worked with the squad for a month or so now. However long it's been, um, this is an area I want a player in and this is a player I know and like and would come um, you know show your commitment to me by buying him it might be an internal politics type of move rather than one that's actually coming from the, yeah. the footballing department he'd be fucking fun to watch as well that's the thing like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be put out fun or infuriating because he, yeah. he has as we saw at the weekend he has um, very questionable final product. The the other thing for me is as well, like I, I wouldn't really want him to get in the way of someone like Bergwijn's development because I'm he's he's still kind of got those confidence issues that we've spoken about in the past. But yeah. I think he's got so much ability, Bergwijn. I see so many people just like say already like he's shite. They've written him off, and I, you know I know he's missed a few one on ones and stuff. Some he really should have buried, but I still think that I mean like. The the piece of skill he did on the touchline that he, yeah. when he set Kane through. I mean, Kane should have scored that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got Bergwijn sitting on an assist, like, and a pretty glorious assist at that. But I think he started the season really well as well. Um, yeah, exactly. It's just sort of. Um, he, he, I think I might have said this before, but when he has time to think about things, he doesn't do as well. But when he's working off instincts and he's just using his. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Raw talent is brilliant, and that 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 touch on the 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 um, the far line yesterday to get past a few players and set up came was exactly that. It was it was pure instinct and, and footwork in the moment. Um, but it's the times where you where he's set through or something like that, or has to deliver a ball or something that he he struggles. And I don't know. But you you made this point recently actually, which was quite good. Is that 
he does feel like a bit of an early season um, Son type of thing where you know he's got another level to get to and it's just about getting him to there because Son was similarly infuriating when he first came. He, he was indifferent. He did have purple patches and, you know, we'd, we'd question sort of... Um, you know, his mentality in that he'd never be the one to score the decisive goal, but he'd always be, you know, if it, if we were 2-0 up, then he'd score three and four. He was that sort of a bloke, but he, and he wasn't a match winner. But he is now, and it's just about giving these lads a bit of breathing room in order to actually find their feet and, and fulfil their potential. And we can't do that too much, obviously. We can't, you know, give them five years to do it. But, you know, one or two, especially at a younger age, when we've invested heavily in them, that's not, that's not the end of the world. No, not at all. Another player who's uh, doing well under Nuno at the moment is Deli Ali, um, which I'm actually delighted to to see. Um, are you sort of surprised by him adopting this kind of this new role, really, that he has done? Not really, because he's he's done elements of this in the past. That, I mean, I think previously when he's had to do it because we've had injuries and stuff, it's been a bit different because you can't like, oh, it's blunted what he does in the final third. But players have to change and evolve. And I think we got to a point with Deli Ali where he became so good in that final third that teams just became wise to it and, and found a way to stop him and limit him and and block him off and, and pay him extra attention. And, and that's where the, the, the rot set in a little bit. So to change his tact a little bit, drop him a bit deeper, give him a bit more running to do, make him a bit more defensive mind and box a box, that will then draw teams out in a different way to him. So then when he needs to turn on that instinctual thing where he makes late runs again and he's in the box, teams will be less prepared for him. It's going to make him a more rounded footballer, which isn't a bad thing whatsoever. It's sort of another string to his bow. We know he can do that stuff in the final third if he needs to do it. It's just about finding the balance now between being a more functional midfielder rather than just an attacker and marrying those, you know, game-winning, match-winning instincts in the final third with with the newer role. It's, it's quite exciting to see because he, he seems very enthused with it. He seems really sort of committed to what's going on. And, you know, it, it could easily be a situation where he just kind of went, you want me to do what? I'd, I'd rather leave now and go and try and beat old Delhi elsewhere rather than reinvent myself at Tottenham. It is funny though, isn't it? Because like you say with the the sort of rose-tinted specs on old Delhi, if you like, are that I, I, I vividly recall. So let's take, for example, the famous Crystal Palace goal, the winner, spectacular winner. But I remember for the most of that game, he'd been pretty awful. He hadn't really done anything. And I know it was kind of that old stick that people used to beat Nasa Chadley with in terms of like, all he ever does is score goals, but with with Delhi, there was he, he at times wasn't that influential, and I feel that even for the okay, so the the tail end of Mourinho when they they obviously were just not on any sort of terms when he just wasn't playing. Yeah, okay, I can understand people having their reservations about him kind of coming back from that, but even like when people say, "Oh, he's been shite for years." I just don't see it, you know. When I think about even a game like, you know, Ajax, Amsterdam, one of our sort of most famous wins ever, if not. It wasn't happening without him. Well, exactly. He was so influ- he was so quietly influential in that game. So the seeds of kind of what we're seeing now were I guess they're already planted and they were planted by Pochettino, you know. A lot of us, I think even myself, 
criticise Potsha maybe sort of bringing Ali back and putting him into this kind of this sort of, basically a proto role of what he's doing now um, as sort of like a I don't know kind of like a de facto number eight or whatever and he's he's taken to it though and he it looks like this summer you know he's kind of I think I can only imagine how painful it must have been for him to watch what was going on at the Euros and knowing that just a couple of years ago he was one of the leading lights in that team and now he's not yeah. even in the squad. Um, Especially with players like, you know, Mason Mount and what have you, getting all the headlines and stuff when really is is he, when Deli Elliott is best and Mason Mount is best, are the, is there any conversation as to who's better? Well, I know I'm biased, another, but... Another one's Madison, right? James, I know he didn't make the team either, but one of these players that people are often clamouring for for oh why not Tottenham sign a player like James Addison to me he's just he's not got a fraction of the ability that Deli Ali has when Deli Ali's at his best um and he just seems to be I mean you know I, I probably am biased yeah I've always I've always sort of held a torch for 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 Deli I just think he I think he seems like a you he's know proper Tottenham. he's proper Tottenham he's a good guy I don't think he's you know I think he seems like a nice lad. He's just it's, it's nice to have players in your team that actually seem like decent people and he does seem to be that and to boot he's class. We've seen it, you know. He's and I think he's got such a sort of unique skill set that if he does get engaged again and he's back at it then it's only been a good thing for Tottenham and it's it I guess it's that old cliche, isn't it? Like a new signing. Um it's not just a small signing either. If we get Delhi anywhere close to where he was before, in today's market, that's what, 50, 60, 70 million worth of footballer there quite quite easily without blinking. Delhi is very, very best when he was knocking in 20 goals a season. It's 100. So. Was it you that tweeted? I think it, I think it was you that tweeted maybe um, around the time when City signed Grealish that it's like, this is, you know, it, it's quite conceivable that, you know, this could have been Delhi Alley. You know, if if it wasn't me, but conspired it, against the, him. the point does stand. You know, Pep Pep always sort of fancied him, but it turns out his daughter fancied him more. But uh, yeah. um, but it, you know that that sort of never came to fruition. But you know, let's hope let's hope he can do it. Um, Tangi, how are you? Uh, how are you feeling on that one, mate? Uh, I really want to give Tangi a strong backhand um, because he. he He's just so juvenile. He's a, an amazing footballer. I think he might be the most naturally gifted footballer in our entire squad. Um, and that was a, a big thing to say, but I, that's how highly I rate him as just a, a, a pure footballer. But he's a shit professional. I think there's there's no escaping for that. And I don't think there's any sort of forgiving or excusing it now I think he's just a, a shit professional footballer in that he doesn't do the work that's required to do the job at the highest level and there are some clubs and places where you can get away with that but when that's matched with a, you know at the minute it seems as if his his largest desire to leave the club is um born out of the fact that his mates are going to get sold or are on their way out. And he's just like, oh, no, if my two pals that I hang around with are going now, then I can't be bothered hanging around either. It's just like, really? Like, that's 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 the level we're at here? So it's it's a crying shame if he if and when he leaves, um, which seems closer now than ever, it's a huge missed opportunity. And I think he'll, 
he'll likely be fantastic wherever he goes if they indulge him. But you know, there's also the opportunity, the the, the 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 chance that he goes somewhere and he's just again just doesn't apply himself and doesn't settle and you know he's not the the he doesn't make the most of his talents because I think that'd be a shame to be honest because he's he's absolutely fantastic. But if at this point you know we've got sixty sixty five millions of pounds worth of footballer who isn't going to contribute or isn't willing to contribute and we can flip that into cash that we need and a player that will actually perform as a professional and is actually decent as well and improves the overall level of the squad in that they're a functional member of it um then fantastic um and i to be honest previously i don't think i would have i would have been of that opinion but um I'm still be disappointed, and I'll still be sad, and I'll still. That's it, because he, he is like you say, he's, he's unbelievable, isn't he? Yeah, but you know, there's this is the opposite situation of Bergwijn, whereas Bergwijn is clearly applying himself and trying his hardest and not just getting there. Whereas Tang is the opposite, which is why you give up on one and you don't give up on the other. Because if if it was the other way around, if if Tangy had even ten percent of the the ethic that. Uh, Bergwijn has then he'd be one of the best midfielders in the league without even trying but he doesn't and that's the reason why he, he doesn't play football for us as much as he should be doing it is interesting because you know because a lot of the uh, say the the counter arguments to you know this kind of almost zero tolerance approach because I because I agree with you on on, on Domblé it's to me it's now it's it's just it's turning into another culture or it's turning into another lamella. You know, it's another, you know, you've got one camp of people that will really rate him, another camp of mostly gammons, but still <laughs> people that don't want him playing for the team. Um, but you seldom really see anyone kind of say he's he's bad. No, I don't think anyone's doubting his ability. And that's probably what makes this all the more frustrating. Um, and yeah, I know because you sort of touched on it there with... Oria and Sissoko going, um, it seems to have hastened his want to leave the club. And as much as we can kind of have a level of human understanding and sympathy for somebody who, you know, is a fish out of water, who has got his support network here, is about to be kind of moved on, why that would have a bit of a knock-on effect. At the same time, I think... You know, you're a grown man being paid to do a job. Yeah, you, I don't think you can indulge that stuff too much. You know, at the, at the same time, like they are professional footballers. This is part of the job. They know that. You know, they know that they're going to be moving from place to place. That not everywhere is going to have a kind of support network, and they are. You know, I, I, I know money doesn't solve everything but they are well compensated for that yeah. for the lifestyle that they have and you know you, you just he has to give some back he has to you know yeah. and you just don't really get the feeling that that's happening but it's not to say it's all his fault you know I, I, no, no, no. I the club the club probably could have done better by him you know he's he's been signed into a, a Pochettino project and then a couple of weeks later or a couple of months later Pochettino's been sacked and now he's got Jose Mourinho in calling him a fat cunt to the press at every possible <laughs> opportunity, you know. so Forcing him out of his house during lockdown. Yeah, you know, so you can understand why he is probably jaded. But whether we can, you know, 
I don't think it's even a case of apportioning blame. I just think it's it's very unfortunate that we have now found ourselves in a position where this seems to be how things are. And it just seems to be that it will probably be in everyone's best interest now if he has moved on. And I have, I have, it, to me, it wouldn't be out of, you know, out of the stretch of possibility that in a couple of years' time, Chelsea sign him <laughs> and he's one of the best players in the Premier League, you know. But Possibly. I just don't think it's going to happen at Tottenham now. I think we've kind of passed that point and, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really bear him any ill will but at the same time I'm not jumping to kind of defend him anymore um, because like you say I, I just think his professionalism probably can be questioned from from the kind of piecemeal bits of information that we get yeah um, so let's uh, you know the I mean there's a few I think Oliver Skip looks decent you know whatever yeah I think we we knew he would as yeah. well because we really liked him before he went on loan yeah. and it's a perfect use of the loan system we sent him to a club that he's going to play at that he's going to win games build confidence and he's coming slotted in and, and I think Hoybier looks better for as a result of him having somebody next to him who's functional and uh, yeah the and midfield looks a bit stronger what we'd say is, as well as uh, as obviously people of that age do it also just looks like he's Sort of got into another stage of puberty as well, Oliver Skip. He definitely looks a lot more built for the Premier League now. Um, well, he's getting of, kicked in the Championship for you, I'll do that for you. Exactly, he's bonked out. He's sort of he's suddenly got shoulders now. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Shoulders and a jawline. Um, he's uh, so he's good. Jaffet, I think uh, he's he's the early form of Jaffet Tanganga has definitely kind of allayed my fears and. I, d- I kind of would still like us to buy a sort of right back, but having him there, I'm not as uh, concerned as I maybe was. Yeah, it's just his injury proneness is the issue because uh, I think he's fantastic, and I think he'd, I think he's probably going to be better centrally long term. His height is a is a slight issue because he isn't very tall, it, or at least he doesn't look it when he sort of stand in the box. But he's got a you know fantastic physicality and and uh, a great leap on him, so. That shouldn't be a huge concern, I don't think. But long term, I think he'd be a better, better central defender. I don't want us to Eric uh, Eric Dyer him and, and play him so many different positions that he never nails down one long term enough to sort of um, actually make it his own and learn how to do it properly. But um, yeah, he's 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 been fantastic. I can't can't fault him. Yeah. Um, so Harry Kane, there's someone we can fault. <laughs> What have you uh, What have you made of this whole summer and all this bollocks at the moment, mate? And how are you feeling about him now? It's really odd now, isn't it? Um, my gut says he's still not going to go because I think he's. I think him and whoever's advising him um, have played this now so wrong-headedly um, that they've put the club in a position where they they just for their own optics and and for their own pride more than anything else probably just don't want to let him go because they'll they'll look like they've been bullied into it and they they just will it will set a precedent for future players that they, they, they've worked really hard to escape after the the Keane summer the Berbatov summer the the two Modric ones we did really well with Modric to stop him going to Chelsea and all that sort of stuff after the bail setback all that sort of stuff it's it's really hard to to sort of 
escape a narrative about yourselves when you sell your best player. You then automatically become a selling club. You become a bottom feeder. And we we have worked really hard to not be that. And we are, at the minute, trying to be strong-armed into that, that again. And I just think it's... It's been gone about the wrong way. He, he, I think they needed to play this nicey nicey, and there needed to be a a huge bid that came out of nowhere that the club were able to, in a similar gra- Jack Grealish type fashion, um, spin as their own. You know, the player wanted to go. We did what we could to keep him. We've been very well compensated for this. Um, but you know, Tottenham Hotspur was here before Harry Kane, and we'll be here after, and we'll, we are what we are as a club, and we'll. We'll do what we can. We'll 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 spend the money in any way we can to to improve the t- overall fortunes of the team and everything. And kind of, you know, at the same time as we uh, acknowledge what he, everything he's done as a player and, and and footballer at Tottenham Hotspur, we you know throw him under the bus a little bit as well, uh, which is essentially what Villa did with Grealish. But you know they they couldn't do anything else, and I think they handled that fairly well, to be quite honest with you. Um, but we, we're too far down the road for that now, especially with the way Guardiola uh, carries on in the press. Um, it just doesn't, it, it won't sit right with me for him to go now. I think it would very much tarnish his relationship with the entire club and players more than it, uh, you know, more than it already has, which is, you know, fairly, uh, fairly significant. Um, you know, I think most people are backing Daniel Levy than Harry Kane. If you'd told me that six months ago, right, I would have asked what sort of um, this is <laughs> what, surely, what area of reality yeah. you were uh, operating. Surely, in. an example of like the worst PR job possible. You know, the, yes, the fact you've gone from being the most universally adored Tottenham player, I think, probably in my entire lifetime, other than maybe Ledley King, and. You've managed to lose to the chairman that was pretty much resoundingly hated after the ESL and furloughing and everything like that. You know, yep. a lot of people had always been on the fence about Levy, but it kind of seemed to be the straw that broke the camel's back this uh, this past couple of years. But now he's, you know, and I, I think he's played a blinder as well. I've got to say, Levy's played an absolute blinder in all this. But they they've played completely. He hasn't really had to do much because. Nope. Kane's camp have been awful, but at the same time, you know, City have absolutely taken the piss. And I think, you know, it it does. People are always going to say, "Oh, well, it's a food chain thing." Tottenham do the same thing, but I don't, I don't buy that because I'm not sure we. They seem to be pushing this narrative that it's Tottenham's prerogative for this deal to be done to negotiate. I don't, I don't completely... understand this. We, you offer us a certain amount of money, and it, we then decide if that is something we want to discuss or not. We have clearly, out of everything that has been leaked, been having this conversation for well over a year. We have had a price, and we have stuck to that price. And Manchester City, with infinite resource, have yet to meet that price, and that is the bottom line. And people will, people will turn around, and you know, because it's the first thing they they ask me about. Uh, as a, as a Tottenham fan, they go, oh, what do you think of the Kane situation? And I'll go, well, pay us our money. And they go, oh, well, he's not worth that. And I go, he's worth that to Tottenham. And that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter whether or not he's actually 150, 160 million pounds worth of football. Which he is, though, anyway, to be honest. He is, but it's, it's by the by, because yeah. he's well under contract at Tottenham. He is fairly compensated for his work he does there. 
we have a price of what he means to our club that we would feel comfortable even having the discussion for him to go, not even agreeing for him to go, but, you know, picking up the phone. And that hasn't been met yet. So I don't understand what we're doing wrong. We haven't outpriced him. We've not, we've, he's not sat there with his pinky finger to the side of his mouth asking for a billion. He's given a fair price in today's market for that level of footballer. And it hasn't been met. They have just signed an England substitute for a hundred million pounds, and they're trying to offer one hundred and twenty-five well, se- for the England captain. Apparently, seventy-five million is apparently what they offered, with up to twenty-five mil worth in terms of bonuses and whatever, depending on caps and goals. I think it came out a couple of weeks ago that they'd upped it to a guaranteed one hundred and twenty-five, and that's still at least twenty-five million pounds short of what we wanted. Yeah, I mean, it, kind of what you were touching on there, and like it, it is something that we've spoken about before, and uh, there's been a very weird narrative around Kane. You know, we've had Gary Neville calling him a saint, we've had him calling him an angel, and so much again, so much of the discussion around this has centered around the conduct of Daniel Levy. Um, and, you know, it, it's. You can't help but feel the kind of like the the sort of the the subtext to this. A lot of it is is sort of rooted in anti-Semitism, but there's just also the the kind of the way in which I guess you know, and it's the uncomfortable truth for probably a lot of people. The way in which, like, white professional footballers are given the leeway to kind of do what they want. Oh, like, Michael Richards the other day he was absolutely it, he outstanding. He called yeah. it. He, he, he flipped it on its head, and yeah. the way Sunes reacted made you know that he'd he hit the nail on the well, head. Because you could see from their reaction, they were like, "Hang on, aren't you the bloke that's just supposed to come on and do the big funny laugh for us?" Mm-hmm. You know, like they they didn't like seeing him actually kind of call it for what it is. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is why he should have that job and why he should be put in the position he is, and he should be congratulated for that. Yeah, um, and we've we've seen this. You know, the the there's something very insidious about the 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 constant kind of harking back to this gentleman's agreement. Oh, but you know what Daniel Levy's like. Well, let's. Why do we need to bring his character into this? Like, I think we'd leaked it recently that the gentleman's agreement that was actually made said that we'd sell him abroad if it came to it, which is what apparently leaving Levy's understanding of the conversation they had was not that we will sell you to a direct rival for a knockdown price. I don't think that gentleman's agreement ever took place. The, the, the other thing that's particularly galling about all this is the the money that City are haggling over is pennies to them. It's 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 immaterial to them. It, we're talking sort of if they've offered one hundred twenty five million, I'm pretty sure we'd accept one hundred fifty mil. To be honest, that extra twenty five mil, it's nothing to them. And all this bollocks about they don't spend money. They're not classic. Just because they buy three players a summer, all worth sixty million pounds, doesn't mean they don't spend a lot of money. You know, just because they're not buying one player, perhaps literally one player now. away from selling a spending a billion while he's been there. You know, just this this whole this whole narrative, like as you said at the start, how it's all been put on Tottenham. This is Tottenham's problem. This is Daniel Levy being stubborn. No, this is a player that is. We talk about him having a price tag. Harry Kane is pretty much literally 
priceless to Tottenham. We mm-hmm. cannot replace him with a like the, the the player who we would have to sign to replace Harry Kane is Haaland. And that's not going to happen. Like a player nope. like Haaland isn't going to come to Tottenham. We wouldn't be able to afford to pay the wages that a player like Haaland would want. And we just don't have the prestige at the moment to sign him. And thus, we just... Do you know what I mean? It's it's just it's, it, that stuff, the pitch stuff aside, the fact he is the club talisman, the fact that there's so much emotion wrapped up in him, that's going to be hard to replace. But one, one thing that I do think um, that I was thinking about this because I'm I'm still... I'm still not sure whether he is going to be a Tottenham player for this season or not. I've still got this sort of sneaking feeling that City's final fuck you to Levy and to Tottenham is, right, if we're going to pay the asking price, we're going to do it two days before the window closes. I don't think we're selling at that point. I don't know. It'd be very hard. It would be very hard. I think the optics of that, I was about to say this to you, is I think City are running out of time because there's going to come a point where we cannot reinvest that money and we cannot do what we need to do in the window mm. before he goes. This isn't going to be a Berbatov last minute of the last window, last minute of the window sort of situation because we've learned from that. And I think there would be, that's the point in which Daniel Levy loses the public again. And I do not think we're going to let that happen this time because, you know, when he did that thing with Gary Neville and everything, he, he Harry Kane, he tried to, spin it at one point as, oh, this is a good thing for Tottenham as well, getting, you know, a decent amount of money for me or whatever he said along those lines. And that's true, but but it's not going to make any a blind bit of difference uh, if it happens at the last minute of the window because we, we can't spend it and we, we won't be able to do anything with it. And the next mm. time we go and buy a striker, they're going to stick twice the, the money on the head of that person because they know we've got it to spend. So it's if he's if he is as... Um, caring about his uh, relationship with the fans and legacy as he's supposed to be, um, which I this is me actually being cynical. I don't think that's actually the concern. I think it's more that he's the his figure and stature is all about um, being the golden boy, being yeah. the perfect professional, and that's what he doesn't want to lose rather than what Tottenham fans think of him. Um, and, you know, probably all the sponsorships and endorsements he has attached to that image is, is probably what they're worried about rather than the actual transfer of it all. So, um, yeah, I, I can't see it being a last-minute thing, obviously, if it is. And I have to tell you, Jack, as far as omens go, the uh, transfer window this year closes on my birthday. And uh, as I've, I've famously been one to, to remind you, on my 21st, we saw Gareth Bale on my birthday. Uh, so if we uh, sell Harry Kane on my 29th, then uh, we've got precedent for it. Yeah, mate. Um, it's, I don't know, it's tough, isn't it? But I think one of the one of the good things that could come out of this for me, um, and this, this is collection of straws, I'm not going to hide away from that because you have to in this situation. But I think one of the things that, will probably come at this is that there should be perhaps at least something of a realignment of the relationship to between the club and to Kane and I think you know Kane will have done damage in this and I, I don't I don't think he should be booed or any shit like that you know the the lads he's done a lot for the club he's given us all a lot of good times he's uh you know perhaps not as in love with the club as we perhaps have probably deluded ourselves. I think that's one of the main wake-up calls for me is that I've sort of had that feeling of suddenly like, I mean, he's never really seemed like he's that in love with the club, to be honest. Um, 
and that's, but I just overall, I think that the club probably owe him a bit less now as well, and I think the fans owe him a bit less. And I think, you know, when he's on a brace and sixty minutes have gone and he's looking leggy, I think it's now probably the part where, hopefully, Nuno is kind of like, right, get him off, get Scarlet on for the last half hour, or whoever else is on the bench that. Our whole kind of, we're not, we're essentially, Harry Kane doesn't get to dictate everything anymore with Tottenham. Um, And I think that overall could maybe end up being more of a positive. Maybe it'll get him back on his toes a bit. Not that the the bloke isn't ever on his toes, but. uh, Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's, you know. There's a, a power shift in the relationship that's probably needed. There is a bit, you know. Um. And it's, and I think there should be a, a realization from Kane as well because everything that's coming out, especially recently, was like, oh, Harry Kane's now desperate for Manchester City to raise their ask, raise their price, and um, he's doing everything in his power to get City to pay more for him. And it's like, are you really like? Do they want you as much as you want them? Like, is this sort of? That have some self-awareness. They've given Jack Grealish the number 10 shirt. You're not going to be the golden boy there. You're just going to be another player. Like, it sort of... He could... There could be a... If he ends up staying this window because City don't stump up for him, there is a very real um, chance that we tie him down to another deal. We pay him more money. We we sell him on the legacy angle of it. Um, because he's going to be older next year. He, you know, if he gets injured again, then, you know, are they going to want him? Haaland comes into play next year. You know, are they going to, uh, City going to wait another season to buy him if they've tried to buy him for two, all this sort of stuff. Um, and that kind of could, like you say, change the dynamic of it all and sort of be a bump in the road that keeps him at the club. But this is his, you know, this was a sliding doors moment where he goes or he doesn't because... You know, it, it would be strange for this to carry on an, an entire another season. It just it, that doesn't seem feasible uh, because what are we going to do? Sell him for less next summer? Uh, he's still got two years on his contract at that point, so I just don't know. It's it's, mm. a, it's a very strange um, situation. I wouldn't be overly surprised to see him do a Van Persie, though, mate. I wouldn't be surprised to just see him run his contract down now and then go to the team who looks like they're about to win the Premier League for free um, and win it. At the end of his contract, you know, possibly, but then you know that kind of um, that's his prerogative. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, he, like I say, you know, I, it has all been a bit disappointing, but it is what it is. We'll, we'll see, and I think there's it's it's quite nice now seeing the way Sonus kind of stepped up, bashing the badge. Do you know what I mean? All that type of stuff, really getting in there with the fans like the lad signed a new contract he could have he could have fucked off to Bayern or anywhere like that in the past few years um 100% but he seems to have that sort of genuine level of affection for the club that I think we've always like I say almost deluded ourselves that Kane has um and I'm trying not to be revisionist about it but when I have sort of looked back on it I, I really am struggling to kind of think of any times where I've really kind of felt that Kane is he, he's he's only too quick to tell everybody that playing for England is his favourite thing, that the England fans are the best fans in the world and everything. Um, and I'm not so sure he's ever that kind of gushing about Tottenham. 
but you know, whatever. Fuck the gammon. <laughs> um, so yeah, Watford coming up. We got another thing, but we, you know we're not really doing the pod in that way anymore. We're not doing previews and stuff. So I hope you've enjoyed listening today. Um, we might do another one soon. We might not. Who knows? We'll keep you on your toes, like we're keeping Harry Kane on his toes now. Um, but yeah, fuck off. Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.